Philippians 4, please join me in prayer. Father, thank you again for this opportunity, this privilege to open your word. Thank you for preserving it for us that we could know what you, what you want us to know. It reveals to us an element of your mind and an element of your person that which you wanted us to know. And it certainly reveals to us everything we need to know about your will for us. Help us to yield ourselves to you and to worship you in, through, and around your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I watched the new Avengers movie recently, and after the last scene, there was mostly quietness as people tried to digest what they just saw. And then there were a few disgusted utterances, and a few that got up quickly and walked out the door in disgust. But what was most notable to me was at least one person was sobbing. I've been caught up in movies before, and my emotions have certainly been affected in certain ways. I was definitely emotional in a certain way as I watched the movie I Can Only Imagine. But that movie was based upon like someone's actual experience. And so I can be invested emotionally in in a movie, So, here's the thing. Someone goes out for a good time and they spend a decent amount of money to be entertained and to have fun and to feel good and to experience joy. And sometimes people are left with disappointment. Now, I only paid $7.50 to go to it because I have a military discount, so it wasn't that big of a deal to me whether I liked it or not. I did. Um... But sometimes if you're feeling like, like you wanted more, you wanted more, it can be really disappointing. And so it is with all ways in which we seek joy outside of God's eternal, perfect, satisfying, unflinching joy. So it is with all pursuits for joy that are not pursued through God's eternal, perfect, satisfying, unflinching joy. People try to find joy in substances, in food, in sex, through clothing, through cars, in the obtaining of homes and in relationships with people. And all of these produce temporary joys, for sure. Temporary joys. But these joys do not bring lasting, full satisfaction. You'll remember the Lord Jesus dealing with the woman at the well. And you you probably remember some of his discussion with her. If not, take a look later in John chapter 4. You can recap that discussion that the Lord Jesus had with the woman at the well. 
But I want to share with you this statement that Jesus made. He said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him, in him, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Seek the water that Jesus offers is ultimately how we would recognize that. Just two chapters later, you see the Lord Jesus feeding 5,000. And the crowd comes to Him after He was leaving. The crowd comes to Him and to this crowd that Jesus found seeking Him, He said this. Listen carefully. This is in John 6. If you want to recap it later on, take a look at John 6. You can read the whole discussion of what Jesus gives to them. But here, I want to share with you this. He said, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. See, He's going to give water that satisfies. And He's willing to give food that satisfies. And the the confidence we have is it says, for on Him, God the Father set or has set His seal. Satisfaction, true satisfaction, comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Just one chapter later, it says on the last day, the great day, Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, if anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. Whoever believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. Rivers of living water. What? This is the water that, that springs forth from within us unto eternal or everlasting life. Jesus is letting us know in John 4, John 6, John 7, and elsewhere, that if you want to find true, lasting joy, true, lasting satisfaction, true, lasting contentment, true, lasting peace, you will find it only in one location. You'll find it in Christ. And in Christ, when you embrace Christ, when you become one of God's children, when you become one of Christ's followers, when you are united together with Christ, not only will He be your joy, He will produce joy within you that will come flooding up and out. That's what He said. Jesus is the joy. He is the source of joy. And He produces joy within those who are His redeemed. True, lasting joy only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet, that joy is not automatic. True joy is not automatic even in the life of the believer. Which is why we're in Philippians chapter 4. God has brought us to this point in our study those who know Jesus Christ as Savior 
have tasted morsels. Maybe even have feasted upon large quantities. But that joy is not automatic simply because we know Jesus. We're in Philippians chapter 4. Our text this morning is just Philippians 4.4. We obviously are going to go to other passages of Scripture. But our study is based only on Philippians 4.4. Look what it says there. Will you read it with me? It's not hard. I would love it if by the end of this message you have Philippians 4.4 memorized. It would not be difficult for you. Ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let's say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. First of all, I want you to notice that this is commanded. It's commanded. And who is he writing to? Christians. Are you a Christian? I'm a Christian. He's writing to me. And yet... While I have already received the glorious grace of God and the wondrous mercy of God and the very Spirit of God dwells within me, God tells me through the Apostle Paul, you must rejoice in the Lord always. It is not automatic. Notice secondly that he wrote the command twice. For emphasis, in case I didn't hear him the first time, in case I didn't read it rightly the first time, or to reiterate the the emphasis, the truthfulness, and the need. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. We need it. We need it. Notice thirdly, what the rejoicing is based upon. Rejoice in the Lord. Notice that he did not say, rejoice in yourself. Rejoice in your best self. Rejoice in your recovered self. Rejoice in your getting better self. He doesn't say any of that. He doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. He doesn't say rejoice in your current life. He doesn't write the book, the, Your Best Life Now. Paul is in prison. He is currently in chains. Potentially chained to a Roman soldier. He doesn't have our freedom. No filet mignon, and no pizza, and no pasta. No great Italian or French bread. He only has what his friends will bring to him. And we've already seen him rejoice in this letter. I rejoice that Christ is preached. Whether they do it out of the right motivations or the wrong motivations. I want Christ to be preached. And in this, I rejoice. And yes, I will rejoice. He will rejoice in the the people of God. You and I. You and I. Us. The people of Philippi, the people of Corinth, the people of Colossae. He rejoices in the people of God. 
endeavoring, striving side by side for the faith of the Gospel. He says, if you will do this with one mind, my joy will be complete. It'll be full. It'll be overflowing if you'll just serve God with all your heart and live out the Gospel and proclaim the Gospel. I will have joy unspeakable and full of glory. But he's in chains. He's bound. There's no Mother's Day for him. There's no Father's Day for him. No celebration of of Easter. No Christmas holiday. Oh, my birthday has come and gone. No one brought me a gift. His rejoicing is elsewhere. It's on greater things. He's not left stunned at the end of a movie. What will I do now? I can't believe it ended like this. Oh my goodness. I was feeling badly. I really was. I was thinking, man, life has got to be better than this. Like, I like the thing. It's enjoyable. I'm entertained by it. Maybe I shouldn't be, but I am. I think it's great. But come on! There's more to life! You can't be sobbing over this! I I hope it wasn't one of you. If it was, (laughs) forgive me. Paul in chapter 2, this, this, one, this one really throws you for a loop. Paul in chapter 2 and verse 17, he says, I am about to be poured out like a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. I'm about to be poured out. My life is about to end for you. No, he says, and in this I will rejoice. In this, I will rejoice. He told the Corinthians, I would would gladly spend and be spent for you. Now, I don't really make emphasis of my titles in the message very often. I don't even usually mention the title of the message. But before you this morning, on a couple of occasions on the, the screens, said missional joy. Joy in God that results from our mission. And our mission so many times hurts. There is pain associated with sacrificial service. And yet, the Bible time and time again tells us that in these sorrows, in these sacrifices, in these pains, there is deeper, deeper, broader, longer joy. This is not your best life, folks. Unless you don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, this is the best it's going to get. But if you know Jesus, hallelujah, there's a day coming when every wrong will be made right and every pain will be eliminated. Every sorrow will be saturated, will be Satiated, it'll be gone. Every unfaithful, unkind, ungodly thing will be eliminated. And so Paul can say, I'll rejoice in giving my life, laying my life down for you. Paul is rejoicing because he knew there was a day coming when redemption 
will be complete. That's at the end of chapter 3, where he says in verses 20 and 21, but our citizenship, where we really live, is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be made like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. You see, our joy is not our current cushy life, though God does give us treats here and there. Our joy is fixed upon a firm foundation. There is no ebb and flow with God, and there is no ebb and flow with Jesus. Jesus is an anchor for our soul, both sure and steadfast. Sure and steadfast. And he has entered beyond the veil. He's he's gone past the holy place into the holy of holies, the presence of God. He's, He's there as an anchor for our soul. Sure and steadfast. And where the anchor is, is where you eventually will end. He's the forerunner. He has already trudged the path, and that's where we're going if we know Christ beyond the veil. There's no ebb and flow with him. He's a solid rock. This is why Paul can say in 2 Corinthians 6.10, as part of his testimony to the Corinthian church, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, and having nothing, or as having nothing, yet possessing everything. The reason he was able to go through the sorrows and difficulties and pains and turmoil of this life and remain joyful is he knew the end of his faith. The end of his faith, as Peter said, is the salvation of his soul. This is why Paul could say in Colossians 1.24 as he was speaking to the Colossians, this is how it makes sense to us, Now I rejoice in spite of. That's not what it says. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, in my body right now, I am currently filling up, completing, continuing on what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body that is the church. In other words, the same pattern that was seen in my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who laid Himself down, whose meat it was to do the will of the Father, that same mission is in me. That same mission is my mission. I'm continuing the work of Christ. Not that Jesus' work is insufficient, but that it continues through His people. That mission continues. And Paul is able to continue on in missional joy because he knows what the end is. This is the basis of how Paul can testify later in the same chapter we're studying his ability to be content in all circumstances. Take a look there. Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse 10. He writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. 
Not that I am speaking as of being in need. Listen carefully. For I have learned, this didn't come naturally, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He learned through the process of his mission. He learned in the process of God's sovereign direction how to be content regardless of the circumstances. He goes on, I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him, Christ, who strengthens me. Paul learned this because his life was not his own. He knew. He knew. And he wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. My life, your life, our lives are not our own. We have been bought with a price. The greatest price. The blood of Jesus Christ. The Son of God. The Lamb of God. The one who was slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus purchased us. And so in this life, we may have plenty. And so we share. Or we may have nothing. And so we're those that receive. But the Lord is the one who orchestrates our lives. He doesn't forget his children. Are you one of God's children? Has he redeemed you? He doesn't forget you. And so in your suffering or in your abundance, God knows what you need. He knows what I need. So since we see that our joy is in the Lord, that's what it says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord, and that we must pursue it because it's a command, and he says rejoice in the Lord. How often? Ooh, that's become a little bit more challenging. I don't just rejoice when the, when the, the steak is on the grill or my wife makes me something with sausage in it. Rejoice in the Lord always. We must pursue it. I think we should take a few minutes to consider how we can arrive at joy regardless of our circumstances. Are you ready to do this? We're, just, we're going to look at a number of passages. I'll tell you what page number to turn to. We'll look at it. And the Bible speaks. Okay, So the, we're going to let the, the Scriptures speak forth. The first item, we can rejoice in the salvation of God. We can rejoice in the salvation of God. Luke chapter 10, please. You'll find that on page 868 of our church Bibles, Luke chapter 10. We want to look at verses 17 through 20. This is super cool, what we're going to read right here. Jesus sent his disciples forth on mission, and they came back, and they were like, oh, look at what we, 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 we went over here, and we cast out demons, and we went over here, and we healed the sick, and we went over here, and this was taking place, and they're all pumped up. That's good. We like to be excited. We like it when things work, Right? 
Don't you? Don't you like it when you fix something and, and then you, you turn it on and it worked? Like it kind of stinks when you go to fix something and you put all this effort into it and then you have the same problem when you're done. That makes you a little bit disappointed. Well, what they went out and did worked and they were pumped. So here we are, Luke chapter 10, verses 17 and following. The 72 returned with what? Joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Listen, listen, listen carefully to verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven Don't rejoice in success. That's fleeting. Because there's going to be something you're going to come across and it's not going to work. And then your joy will be sunk. Your spouse will disappoint you. Your children will disappoint you. Your parents will disappoint you. Your co-worker will disappoint you. Your nation will disappoint you. Someone will always disappoint you because people are sinful. We're sinful. If your joy is based on people and circumstances, your joy will be flippy floppy. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This does not ebb or flow. It doesn't come and go. It doesn't stop and start. It's it's a truth. Those that know Jesus as their Savior have their names written in the Lamb's book of of life, Amen. and it is with indelible blood. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Secondly, we can rejoice in the voice of God. John chapter 3, please. You'll find that on page 888 of the church Bibles. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 25. John three twenty-five. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing, a person cannot receive even one thing, unless it is given him from heaven. In other words, my Father. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this Joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, and I must decrease. So here's John saying, he's the bridegroom. I'm like the guy who ushers people in to, to show him the bridegroom. The one you want to hear is the bridegroom. I rejoice, and my joy is full as I hear the bridegroom. Now, all right, so now we we say, 
Well, that's great, John. Thank you very much. I can't hear Jesus' voice. And I say to you, you're correct-ish. You're correct, sort of, kind of. And you're sort of, kind of, wrong. No, you will not be hearing his voice audibly in your ears. And he will not even speak words into your brain. However, as we read the text of Scripture, the text of Scripture, we are seeing and hearing the voice of God. And so, thirdly, we can rejoice in the Word of God. We can rejoice in the Word of God. You're going to turn to Colossians 3.16. That you'll find that on page 984 in your church Bibles. But I want you to also, at the same time, hear these other texts of Scripture that are vitally important for us in this discussion. In Psalm 19, a glorious, glorious psalm in Scripture, the psalmist writes in verse 8, the precepts of the Lord. Those are the principles of the Lord. It's just another name for the Bible. The precepts of the Lord are right. And what do they do? Rejoicing the heart. Say it with me, okay? The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. Let's do it again. The precepts of the Lord are right. And what do they do? Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. In Jeremiah 15.16, the prophet pens these words, Your words were found... And I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. You see, the psalmist and Jeremiah penning words about the fullness, the joy that arises in the child of God as they read the Word of God because the Word of God is the voice of God. Take a look, please, at Colossians 3 and verse 16. Paul tells the Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly or abundantly. Here's the results of that. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When, when the word of Christ, the word that, that points to Christ, the word that is, is, finds its source in Christ, the word that heralds Christ, when the word of Christ dwells abundantly inside of us, there is a result of that. We, we communicate with one another. We, we look to one another, not, not to be judging, but to be aiding one another. We, we're helping one another. We're, we're administering the truth to one another. And there's, there's three ways in which he describes singing. We sing to one another. We're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He's talking about three different genres of or types of music, but the, the result of God's Word within is a song within that comes out. What do we call that? Rejoicing. Rejoicing. 
Joy is the condition within us that is unmoved. Rejoicing is the externalization of that inward joy. And so the word within results in joy within, that results in joy pouring forth from us, rejoicing of the heart. The word of God is the voice of God. We rejoice in the word of God. Fourthly, we can rejoice in the spirit of God. We can rejoice in the spirit of God. Take a look at Ephesians 5. That's page 978 in your church Bibles. Ephesians 5, 978, verses 18 through 21. This is a parallel Scripture text with Colossians 3. The results of both of these texts is the same. The subject is slightly different, which is very interesting. In Colossians 3, he talks about the word of Christ resulting in teaching and admonishing, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, giving thanks in your hearts to the Lord from the word. Okay? In Ephesians 5, verse 18 and following, he says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or debauchery, depending on which version you're reading in, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. That's verse 18. Here's the results in verses 19 and following. Addressing one another in psalms, heard that before, and hymns, and I've heard that before, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in reverence for Christ. Now this adds a couple of other elements, but you see the parallelism between the two texts. One is the word of Christ dwelling abundantly within us. The other is the Spirit of of God filling us, controlling us. We've yielded ourselves to the Word and to the Spirit, and the result is God is being praised. We're rejoicing. So we can rejoice by the Spirit of God. Fifthly, and finally, but we're going to take a a few minutes, so don't get too excited about me saying finally. I will let you go. I know it's Mother's Day. I know you have dinner reservations and all that stuff. Not going to keep you here a lot longer, but you've got to pay attention in these last few minutes because this, we're, we're bringing it in, all right? Number five, we can rejoice in the work of God. We can rejoice in the work of God. First of all, Acts chapter 5, page 914 in your church Bibles. Acts chapter 5. I, I so desperately wanted to read a, a bunch of different te- portions of, of Acts 5. There just isn't time. Read it later. The apostles are communicating God's word. They're being persecuted. They're being beaten. They, they, they're, they're on trial. There's all kinds of great stuff going on. Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 38. We, ha- we cut right into Gamaliel's answer. He says, So in the present case, I tell you, Keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of men or man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took Gamaliel's, they took his advice. Verse 40. And when they had called in the apostles, listen carefully, they beat them. What did that look like? What did that look like? I watched a video this morning. 
Uh, it was apparently in England somewhere. This guy goes into a convenience store parking lot in his Mercedes, and like gobs of people come out, and they're like whacking his car with two by fours and big things of wood, and and they're sticking the wood into the car. And, and they're, they're just trying to whack at him. And finally, the guy like, gets up and he runs away. And they chase him with the wood. And they start whacking him. Like, it's just, it's grotesque. And you see a video of it. You start to feel it. Like, you start to think, what is wrong with these people? And you think, that poor guy. We go read right over it. And they beat them. Two words. Try to, try to put the beating that maybe you've seen and wish you didn't into this text and see the apostles being beaten by soldiers. And then we'll continue. Verse 40. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council. What's the next word say? What? rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. The name. The name that's above every name. And every day they were hiding secret society church in the living room in a cave. No! Every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. The anointed one, the Messiah, is Jesus. They just were beaten and charged not to continue. And they went in public and in private and they preached that Christ is Jesus. Why? They were rejoicing because they were on mission for God. Their joy was full in pain while suffering. Their joy was full. Acts chapter 13, page 922 of your church Bibles. Acts 13, verses 44 and following. The next Sabbath, verse 44, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Wouldn't that be great? But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you trust, or excuse me, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord had commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. And the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But 
they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. Will you read verse 52 with me? And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Folks, why? Because they're on mission. We can rejoice in the work of God. Please understand, God has called us for a purpose. When we are diverted from that purpose, we may distract ourselves with temporary pleasures from time to time, but these pleasures are fleeting. When we find our joy in God, we find a never-ceasing stream of deeply-seated joy. When we find our pleasure and joy in God, we find a never-ceasing stream of deeply-seated joy. Take a look at one more passage, please. Psalm 43. You'll find that on page 470 of our church Bibles. Psalm 43. We have the psalmist writing, and he's in distress. If you read this and don't see distress, you're not reading it correctly. The psalmist is writing and praying, and he's in distress. Verse 1. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and the unjust man. Deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Why am I, I, I just can't get out of this situation. It is, it is overwhelming. It is overbearing. It is weighing me down and I feel totally distressed. Verse 3. Send out your light and your truth. Let them, your light and truth, lead me. Let them, your light and truth, bring me, bring me to your holy hill and your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He's talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Can you hear him? He's having a conversation with himself, and it made it into the pages of Scripture. What is wrong with you? You ever say that to yourself? I say that to myself all the time. What is wrong with you? You've you got to be kidding me. Now, don't do it too much. People will think you're crazy. <laughs> but it happens where we have to talk to ourselves and remind ourselves of the truth because we are so easily distracted by something shiny. How can we rejoice always? Our circumstances change. There are troubles around every corner. Loved ones die. Our bodies hurt. We receive a difficult diagnosis. When the basis of our joy is an unchanging, eternal God, the joy we experience 
is an unchanging and potentially eternal joy. Remember that the basis of our joy results from the work of Jesus Christ. His sacrifice on the cross dealt eternally and satisfyingly with our sin. His resurrection ensures the resurrection of all those who have trusted Him as Savior. And yet the pathway to that salvation for us was torture for Him. And yet we read in Hebrews 12-2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He was fulfilling the mission. Our joy is full as we fulfill the mission. Our meat is to do the will of Him who called us. This is how we can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. When the source of our joy is an unchanging and eternal God, the expression of our joy can also be unchanging and eternal. Let us, by God's grace, learn to see our experience of this life through the lens of our glorious, joyful, eternal, and intimate God. Let's pray. Father, we need You. Uh, we, don't, we don't do these things naturally. We are so easily shaken and moved off of our target of following hard after You. We are so easily diverted from the mission to ourselves. We see sources of little joys and forsake the fountain of eternal, vast, unchanging joy. Dear God, cause us to turn from little joys to You to experience Your full, lasting, eternal joy. And may we share with the world around us, with our husbands or wives or children, Help us to share with them this joy that our joy may be full in You and that the world may see Your goodness, grace, and truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.